steal and so uh, one of the things that we do every single week is that we spend some moments in silence before I preach and what we're doing in that space is that we're asking God together to show us uh, himself to help us fall more in love with him in this exact moment and we believe that God is present with us right here and, and right now which is which is hard because we don't see him right what we see are things that we can grab and take um, and so what we're asking God to do in this space today is, is to give us the posture of an open hand, the posture of generosity. Um, and so let's, let's do that together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of life, for the gift of waking up this morning, for the gift of our breath right now as we... As we're here with you and here with one another, and we, we come now to the place in Scripture where you, you command us not to steal things, not to always be taking things. And uh, as we're going to see, that that's a lot more than just about not taking physical things. Um, and ultimately, what it, what it boils down to is um, when it's all said and done, we, we will stand before you and we will say, we either belong to ourselves or we belong to you. And in some small way, uh, we get to those questions uh, before um, that final day. And I ask that, that you would show us uh, what it means to be a creature and what it means that you are a sovereign, uh, good creator of our lives right here and right now. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the scene in Lord of the Rings at the very beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, Bilbo has this thing called the Ring of Power, right? And Gandalf is trying to get him to get the ring up. And he starts uh, being a little bit vicious about it because he's like, this is uh, pulling on something deep within my heart. And he says to, to Gandalf, this is... This is my ring, you know, my own, my, my precious. Do you remember that, those, those words? And uh, then he accuses Gandalf of wanting the ring for himself. And Gandalf makes himself very big and large because he's a wizard, and that's what wizards can do, right? And he says, Bilbo Baggins. you remember that? Remember this part? And he's like, I'm, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. And I think over the, over the course of our lives in this world, there are particular things 
that really speak to the deep parts of our heart. That they really, and I'm, I'm not even talking about physical things sometimes, but uh, aspirations that you have, things that you want from other people that really speak to the deep currents of your heart that you begin to say over time, this is mine, my own, my precious. And part of the point of life is that God will take those things away from you over time. Not to be cruel, not because he's trying to rob you, but he wants you to know where your true commitment lies. He wants you to know what you, truly, what you actually treasure in this world. Now we come to the topic of stealing. Um, do not steal, commandment number eight. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal at first, especially in light of, you know, last week when we talked about sex and that was like all, all exciting. But stealing, you know, it was like, uh, okay, I think I can maybe handle that. But as I was meditating on this this week and I began to take an inventory of my life, I began to ask the question, which I think undergirds this command, um, what do I have that I haven't been given? Or in the end, what is, what is actually mine? What is my own? And I know, I, I know this, uh, it, it, kind of, it can kind of get pretty deep and, and intense, but you know, the, the scriptures don't talk uh, about sex more than it talks about money and possessions. And especially how we relate to the things that we possess or the way in which we have anxiety over what we have or don't have. And if you just think about it, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, nothing speaks to the human heart and gives us a false sense of security more than just having just enough so that we don't have to daily rely on him. That's really, really intriguing to the human heart. This is why... Uh, God only allowed the Israelites to have enough manna for one day. It's because he wanted them to daily rely on him continually. And, you know, if you think about like these, these Israelites, they were coming out of slavery. So they didn't actually have a lot of stuff that you could steal. And yet this is like one of the top 10 things that God asked them to do. So he thought it was very important. And the longer you sit with each command, what you begin to see is that it's really all encompassing and ultimately, stealing is fundamentally a denial of the fact that we live what theologians have called quorum Deo, before the face of God continually. And we forget that when, when we steal. And that's, uh, that, that ultimately he's good in what he's given us and what he's not entrusted to us. And the moment we forget that, that's when theft comes in. And we're all kind of culpable there. And so we're, we're going to talk about two, two things today with um, theft. The purpose of our possessions and the true price of stealing. So think, think about this. The purpose, the purpose of what I have. Okay? And think in terms of everything. So my time, my gifting, my personality, my food, my money. The teaching of scripture is that those things don't actually belong to me. So how does God want me to steward these things that I've been given? That's the posture. And it's really, it's that simple and yet that difficult as we, as we walk through this life. Paul says in Ephesians, which Camilla just read, 
Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The opposite of stealing, says Paul, is sharing with those in need. And it's, again, it's the posture of an open hand. The opposite of an open hand is hoarding, or like having a closed fist. And if you've ever worked for tips, you know that Christians are some of the cheapest people out there. (laughs) You know this. I used to work for a a golf course as a cart boy, and I hated when church groups would come through because it would never, ever leave a tip. And that's not to be the posture of Christians in the world. We are supposed to be generous with money, especially. But this doesn't just apply to money or physical things, but also it applies to how you treat people, how you interact with people. Do you always feel like you need more from people? Or how you use your time and your space? You know, there's a lot of talk these days about like self-care. And Donald Guthrie, he said this this past week. He said, self-care is not an end in and of itself. Self-care is for the purpose of continuing on in the service of others and God. And so here's a question I've been asking myself this week. What, what are the things that I hoard? What is mine? You know, my own, <laughs> my precious. Um, if you're an introvert, uh, you will almost inevitably hoard your time and your space. If you're an extrovert, you will hoard attention and the constant presence of other people. In life, life is not all about, uh, you know, filling up or, or being depleted, but it's both all the time. It takes wisdom to know, for you in particular, how to steward what's been given to you well so you don't rob other people and rob God of who you are, which is meant to be given away. So an example of this, Christian Wyman, he wrote a book called um, My Bright Abyss, and he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And as he was dying, he comes to believe in God. And he starts to the practice of prayer. And so he finds this local sanctuary, and he goes and sits down in the pew, and he prays regularly. And then one day, this guy comes in, and he kind of shuffles in and is loud and like sits right behind him, doesn't say anything, and just keeps making a bunch of noise. And, and Christian, he's getting annoyed because he's like, hey, you see that you know, I'm praying? And, and then he said, it was like God impressed upon me. And I'm going to change the language up just to make it a little bit more suitable for church. But he said, it was like God was telling me, get off your mystical butt and do something. And so he he stands up and he turns around. It's a homeless looking dude. And he gets out his wallet and he just hands him some money and the guy leaves. (laughs) But what Christian was saying is that I I think my space is my own. That I, I can just be alone and be away from people. And that's what's honoring to God sometimes. And sometimes you need to do something because you don't belong to yourself. And so have you have you thought about like in how you are made or your personality that you you were meant to be given away and you are most free when that happens. So, for instance, like if you are a strong person, what do you use your strength to do? Do you use it? 
to intimidate people or do, do you use it to actually serve those in need? If you're like a very sensitive person, like in a good way, a gentle person, do you use your gentleness just on yourself constantly or do you actually empathetically give yourself away not to get something from somebody, but just because this is how God made you and you are to steward how God made you even in your disposition? And the question is, is there anything in your life that wasn't given to you? Anything. And you may say, well, sure. This paycheck I earned this week wasn't given to me. I, I, went, I went out to work to, to get that. Or this A that I earned in class wasn't given to me. But just think about like, who gave you your brain? Who gave you the body that you have that you went to work with? And if everything in your life is a gift, which is a teaching of Christianity, then we don't own anything. We have possessions, and we are to steward all that we have, whether it's actual things like cars and houses or less obvious things like our personality or our ability to lead or our ability to follow or our ability to counsel and teach. They were all meant to be given. And God wants to use your specific disposition as a person to serve those in need, to contribute, is what Paul says, to give to those who are in need and not to always be taken. We have a, a catechism, which I've shared with y'all uh, before, in my house. But anytime we hear the word mine, we always say, what's the purpose of having things? It's to give them away. And just that simple posture, if you walk through this life with everything with that simple posture, it really does release you from anger. It releases you from bitterness. And whatever you try to, Jesus says this, whatever you try to keep in this life, you're going to lose it. But if you give it up, if you give it up, you will gain it back and more. Are you free enough to be generous? And if not, you are living with the delusion that you own things. And that's when that's when it gets really dangerous, because that's when your possessions start to possess you. And that's when a trait, this is, this is how it works, that's when a trait or a gift that you have, it begins to mix with your identity. And part of keeping this command is saying, I am not my gifts. I am not the ways in which I have been gifted in this world. I, I am not what I have. I am not what I have attained in this world. It has been gifted to me, but it's not who I am. Therefore, I'm free to be generous with whatever has been given. The theologians and preachers I listened to this week, uh, they had wonderful lists of ways in which we break this command, like how, how we actually steal. And we, we could certainly talk about that. We could talk about uh, how we clock time at work. Um, we, we, could, we could definitely talk about how we use technology and the ways in which, you know, we basically rob people of our attention with it. We could talk about reimbursements uh, or the precision at which we file our taxes or lack thereof. Um, we could actually talk about robbing physical things from people or stores. But the more I thought about this command and the more I thought about like myself and y'all and us together, I just kept coming back to this image of you know, there is a reason why Jesus died between two thieves. And that's just, that's weird. It's kind of peculiar that he would die between two robbers. 
is what the text says. And so I want to talk about that. And if you want to turn to Luke 23, that would be good. But if you just want to listen, that's fine too. But I want to talk about from Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. I want to look at this image of these two thieves when Jesus dies and talk about the true price of stealing. And what I, what I think is uh, going on with Luke here is that these two thieves are a picture of all of humanity. We're all guilty. But there are two very different responses to Jesus actually dying in their presence. And I think the question is, would we rather die exposed and alone and clinging to the way that we want to see reality? Or would you rather cry for mercy? It's two very different approaches to Jesus. It's two very different approaches to life. We, we all, look, this is why we steal. We don't want to be vulnerable. And if you live your, your life with an open hand, you're going to be more vulnerable. Because people are going to take from you even, even more. And, you know, there, one, one thief's approach uh, to Christ is very, very demanding. And, he's, and he says to Jesus as he's dying, save us and, and save yourself. And then the other, the other thief says, look, we, we are receiving the just punishment for what we've done in this life. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus said, truly, today, you will be with me in paradise. Another way to translate that is, you'll be with me in the garden. Now, what's, what's the difference? Well, one sees his need for grace, and one sees Jesus and just sort of like cynically scoffs at him and demands things from him. And one way you know that this command has gotten into your heart is if you just ask the question, do I find myself experiencing more and more and more gratitude over the course of my life, or do I find myself growing more and more and more demanding and angry at people over the course of my life? Always needing more, always wanting more, always feeling desperate for more. That's how you know if this command has gotten down into your heart, even down to the last seconds of your life. We have a choice. We really do. That our flesh, our stuff, our perception of reality hates grace. It hates what Jesus has come to do. But this is what God's spirit can do inside of us. It can break us and see that our lives are about him and not us. And when we realize that it can happen in an instant, you, you begin to realize, just like this thief, I'm not in control here. I need him. And when I serve him and when I ask this simple question, Jesus, I mean, just, just imagine asking Jesus that right now for yourself. Can I, can I come into your kingdom? Do you want to? The answer is yes. Yes, you can come if you want to. The first thief wanted relief. The second thief just wanted Jesus and his kingdom. You know, there's a way, there's a way of giving yourself in this life, even serving others, doing church stuff, you know. There's a way to do that that's really, really selfish. 
to invest in people expecting a return in some way. I always, I always think that we all have a little bit of a Ananias and Sapphira in us. You remember them? They were the couple that gave uh, a false gift in Acts and they got struck down. And the reason why they did that is because they wanted to look good in front of other people. So hard not to do. There, that's a form of stealing. That's a, that's a form of saying, I'm going to give to you, but I, I really want to be seen well by other people. I want, to, I want to be seen as a good person. And sometimes we, we call it codependence or attachment. You see this all the time in family structures, family of origin stuff. And it all stems from this deep void that we all have to get enough in this life. The endless hole in our hearts. And so we steal. And we often try and find that enoughness in other people and they can't give it to us. That's a way to suck life from everyone you're around. I visited a, a dear person in my life in prison for a couple of years, living in another place in the country. Um, and they, they were in prison for stealing. And they actually said, they said, uh, the reason why I stole was because I wanted to get love from other people. And so I, I would steal nice things and then give, give those things to the people that I love because I, I couldn't get enough from them or I wasn't getting their attention and I really felt like I needed it. And, and very simply put, you know, Jesus paints this picture. If you think about the thief on the cross, he sees the beauty of Jesus in light of his own robbery, in light of his own guiltiness. And what Jesus does is that he paints this picture of a kingdom called the kingdom of God, where this is kind of a summary, if I could put it in our, our language today, in Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. This is the, like the ethics of the kingdom. Like if you were to steal my car, this is what would happen in this world called the kingdom of God. If you were to steal my car, I would hunt you down and I would grab you and I would say, hey, this is the key to my house too. Take that too. It's like the, you know, Jean Valjean, Les Mis deal, right? Um, if, that, if that world actually existed, there would be no reason to steal, right? Every, everything and everybody would be full. Obviously, we don't live in a world like that. Our world, our world is broken. But what Jesus says is that that world is coming. And that I want you to be that type of world in this world right here now. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. I, I do have a past um, with theft in my own life. I have stolen or tried to steal golf balls once um, from Target. Uh, it was real, you know, real serious. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I just got to tell you the story. So um, it was me and four other friends, and we, we stuffed the golf balls in our pockets one summer day, and on the way up, to, to steal them, we saw that one of our other friends had gotten caught. He got stopped by a security guard. And so me and the other friends were like, oh goodness. Uh, and so we ran back to the back of the store and we literally threw the balls down the aisle so that they were hopping. And then we got back in line and we got a soda, we call it Coke in the South. And the security guard comes right up to us and says, and says to my friend, do you have something in your pockets? And my friend, and I'm standing behind him, he says, uh, no, and he's like, if you do, I'm about to tackle you. And, <laughs> and he didn't. 
And then, uh, so one of our buddy got caught, and on the way home, we come up with this elaborate plan that he's gonna take all the blame because he's the only one that got caught. Um, and our parents didn't buy it at all. Um, and so they called Target, and in the meantime, this is the first time I had prayed in like six years. Uh, I, I, said, I said that desperate prayer, I'm like, God, if you get me out of this one, I, I really will do whatever you want me to do. Um, and they called Target, and literally the security officer said, no, the other boys were not involved at all. And my buddy took the whole, like my, my parents, they were like so proud of me for not participating in it. And they're like, we don't want you hanging out with that kid anymore. And he was seen as like the total thief. And I was seen as like completely innocent. And you know, that's, that is the feel. The reason why that meant so much to me during the time is not because it like shaped me up, but that's the initial feeling of salvation. That's the initial feeling of what, of what it really feels like when you see Jesus for who he is and what you've done and what I've done. That he, he really does get the, the blame. And this is what Jesus does. He, he allows us to steal everything from him. That's what was happening at the cross. That humanity was taking everything away from him that we did not deserve to take. And when you see that, when, when you actually come into contact experientially with the fact that like that's who Jesus is, it really does. It, it alters everything. Because you, you find out over time that like if somebody ever takes something from me that they should not have taken, which feels awful, by the way, it feels like a violation. What you begin to realize is that this person can't ever take more than I've taken from God. They can't. I took it all from him. And when that centers the whole point of your existence, then you can move through this world without fear. You really can. You know, uh, Steve Allen talked about um, a couple of weeks ago how Zacchaeus is one of the best pictures of somebody who repents in, in the Bible. You ever thought about how Zacchaeus changed? You know, no one liked Zacchaeus. Like the religious people hated him. His buddies hated him. <laughs> uh, and then when he converts, it's like, it's not, it's not any better. But, but something internally changed for him. And, and I think it, it was because the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, said to Zacchaeus, I am yours. So come down from the tree. I want to go into your house. That must have, that must have meant that whatever Zacchaeus spent his life trying to attain, he was stealing from his own people. That must have meant that whatever he felt and experienced with Jesus was better than what he was getting. Was better than what he was treasuring. There are all sorts of things in our lives that we're like, this is my own, my precious. And Jesus will, will take that from you. Again, not to be cruel, but to show you that that's not where your heart truly belongs. Your heart truly belongs with, with him. And the moment you say, I, Jesus, I come completely belonging to you is the moment that he says yes. But the moment you start demanding anything from him is the moment that things will evaporate in your grasp and it all goes away. So how do you know if grace has uh, changed you? Well, are you beginning to release the things that you're overly attached to? That's one, that's one way to begin to know. 
Here's the thing about giving yourself and your stuff away. Um, the more you do it, the more joy you'll get. For real. Um, the less you do it, the harder it will seem to do. It's like an atro a spiritual atrophied muscle when it's not worked out. But the truth is, we were made for the service of God and others, and we are most free and we are most ourselves when we give ourselves to God. I'll, I'll end with this example. There's a young life leader in my seminary. Seminary is like a, a divinity school, post-grad school for preacher types. And um, he used to take groups of kids out to Hawaii, and it was basically just a very fun trip for uh, college students, high school students. And he said that there was always one day during this trip where they would for the whole day, just serve a, a nonprofit and just completely give themselves through, you know, doing something good for, for a local nonprofit. And, and he said, without fail, and this week was like super baller. It was very, very fun. He said, without fail, every kid would say, my favorite day was the service day. Every kid. And, and he said, that, that's, that's how we're made. To give, our, to give ourselves away, to not always be trying to consume. And Jesus has the power to give us that posture of an open hand to care for those in need, to care for the oppressed, to care for the poor. And one of the practical ways that you can do this today is just sit down today at some point and, and just make a list of all the things that you have. Everything, you know, your breath, your clothing, the food, um, your personality, there are ways in which you are uh, gifted around people. And just ask this simple question, and it's a brave one. God, how can I give these away for you? How would you have me steward what's been given to me for your sake? Because I know that's where joy is. Um, that'd be a good Sabbath practice. Let me pray, and then we're going to actually um, confess sin, which is a part of worship. And uh, we're going to pray for the Holly family because they're moving to San Antonio. And so let me pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, the true treasure of treasures. And, and show us how to, um, like that parable where we uh, sell everything we have to buy the field. Because within that field, it has the pearl of great price, which is you. And so, Lord, show us your kingdom. Show us the delight it will be for us as your images to to exist and inhabit your kingdom and that starts now um, you brought the few when you resurrected lord uh, that you brought the future into the present and so help us to practice resurrection
mind.